Yo, 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 guys, what is up? And welcome back to another episode of the Warriors Invitational. It's your boy Gotham, my boy's man Chuck. Today joined by none other than our guy from Golden Spaces Pod, Justin. Justin, how you doing, brother? Welcome to the show. Finally, um, we've been we've been trying to get this uh, this guest for a minute, uh, but you know, schedules aligned tonight um, after a fun fun win, trade deadline stuff. But Justin, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Pretty good. Appreciate you guys having me on. You know, like you said, it's been a long time trying to set this up, so I'm excited to be here. Hey, excited to have you, man. Excited to have you. Matt, Chuck, how we doing, boys? How's the uh, how's the trade deadline day for you guys uh, before we get into everything? How's how's the, what is that, Thursday? How's Thursday, man? Good stuff? Uh, Yeah, no, it was uh, it was an all right trade deadline day. I wish there had been more going on league-wide. Um, I already earlier in the day resigned myself to the Warriors just uh, making the one move that they did make and nothing else. <laughs> um, that was just... That, that just hit me like a train when I realized that was what's going down. So, no, besides that, besides that, we're doing good. How about you, Matt? Honestly, man, all things considered, I don't I don't feel too shitty. I thought for sure it was going to be Wiggins and Moody out, Chris Paul still in. So, uh, mostly wrong, and I'll take that in this case. Wiggins still here after a good stretch. Uh, I thought Moody was going out for pennies. Uh, instead, we'll get into it, obviously. Corey Joseph going out is like a Christmas gift. Come early. It's like Christmas in May, man. What, what month is it? February. Christmas in February, man. This is great. Um, it's good. I uh, played some hoop tonight, and I sacrificed my ankles for a Warriors win, it seems like. I'm icing these things with uh, with frozen cauliflowers. That's fucking fantastic. So, here I am. <laughs> hey, get, get well soon, man. Get well soon. But you're right. The Warriors did give you a nice, uh, nice day off, I guess, at the gym. Um, 131, 109. Let's start with the good tonight. Um, with 131, 109 against uh Indiana Pacers. Um, just kind of continuing this this good stretch of basketball. Um, we were talking about it earlier. Um, just since the uh the hiatus um after the two postponements um after Coach Daggy's passing, they've gone. I think it's eight, say, uh, six and three. I think uh to count. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, few heartbreakers in there. But you know the Warriors have now won um five of their last six games. Um, and just another kind of dominant performance on both ends. Um, some some tough or some some hard to stop baskets um, in this one in the beginning. Um, Steph um, with just a incredible six for six in the first quarter gets subbed out and uh, with three minutes left. But um, the Warriors defense just picked up each uh, as each quarter kind of went on, and um, you kind of see that this team's really coming together. Um, the last you know ten to twelve games. Um, Justin, I uh, just want to hear your thoughts, man. Just kick it off with you, brother. Um, last uh, tonight, especially just with the indie win, um, what'd you see? Um, kind of just building off of what has we've kind of seen in the last, um, you know, 10 to 12 games since Draymond's return and the team's kind of starting to get healthy. And, you know, at, as the all-star break kind of approaches, looks like they're, they're turning the page on this season and, and trying to ride the ship. Yeah. I mean, that's starts with defense, right? Like Draymond, we knew when he was, coming back to the team that he would have the sole responsibility of saving this team's defense. And so far he's kind of done that. Um, I think since he's gotten back, they have a top five defensive rating in the league. Pretty sure. I want to say they have a top five offense as well, but they they're on a string, right? They're playing super hard and I mean, kudos to Lester and Guy for when their numbers been called, they've come in and played with tremendous amount of energy as well. Pods has continued what he's done all season and Wiggins, is kind of rounded back into form, at least um, like 80%, 90% of what back into form looks like for him. He, I think he can get even better, which is encouraging, but they won on defense. Like you just said, like 45 points in the first quarter from the Warriors is amazing, but it was obviously like Steph just hitting every single shot. And then from there, their offense kind of stalled a little bit, but their defense just completely stifled the Pacers. And um, I mean, if they can continue to do that, then it gives them a chance to win any any night against any opponent. So definitely Draymond come back and revitalizing that defense is put more life into this team. 100%. 100%. Chester? Yeah, just uh, throwing some numbers behind that, even though it's a little behind some of what we've seen from Draymond before. Uh, the defense is 3.3 points better for 100 possessions with Draymond on the court this season. Uh, he's so important to what they do. I think they jumped from like ninth in offensive rating to low twenties, uh, when he is not playing in games. So, so much of it is just mentality, the way he keeps everyone 
uh, sort of organized together is really impressive. And especially when you look at the guys that they're throwing out there, um, you know, when you're introducing E. Santos and Lester Quinones to the rotation, essentially, and both are giving you pretty good minutes, uh, that's that's an impressive thing to keep together uh, on the defensive end of the floor because Indiana puts a ton of pressure on you. They're the kind of opponent where it's just – flare screen over here and that's not working so they're running into a pick and roll and then you're getting guys like flying out of the corners on exit screens uh they they put a real test for this team especially on the second end of a back-to-back so the fact that the defense was able to come together tonight really really says a lot about this group yeah my my favorite stretch of this game obviously the Steph uh just theatrics were awesome as always I think Fitz like lost his little voice on that uh 6-3 just uh one of the coolest calls I've seen but my favorite stretch was I think it was to end that third quarter and it was uh Steph and Draymond were both out I think it was Pods Kuminga uh Quinones uh Guy Santos and Sarich and they it was like a I want to say it was like an 11, 12 point lead and they grew it uh, going into the fourth quarter. And it was just fun, man. Like, like you guys said, the offense, it took a couple possessions for them to get some going, but defensively, man, these, these young guys uh, in, in Guy and in Lester, like you can really see the, uh, the emphasis on the defensive end. And, um, you know, I know people throw around the, uh, the Jordan pool comparison with Lester Quinones and, you know, we, that's, that's a whole nother topic, but, um, just the buy-in you're seeing on his end on the defensive end. Um, there was a couple of times he had a, cool, he had a solid strip on, um, either Halburn or, or Nemhart or somebody and just being at the right place, just the hustle. So, um, like you said, Chuck, just a back end of a back-to-back in a, in a game, you really it, it really moves the the uh, the the road trip to from a good road trip to a great one going to four and one compared to three and two. So really, one of those kind of gotta have it, not gotta have it, but like you really want this one, um, and to to kind of cap off this five game stretch. So um, four and one, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's all about stacking dubs right now. And um, for a five game road trip coming off, you know, some of those a uh, couple of those heartbreaking losses on that in that home stand against the Kings and Lakers has been. Was a was a good sight to see, but uh, Matt, I know I know you missed this one tonight, but uh, just kind of what you, I guess, saw or read. Um, what was your kind of <laughs> my box score watching? Told me quite box a bit, score man. watching on this one. Uh, so, <laughs> nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch when we're off here, but I want to ask you guys. So the Warriors are kind of on like game three or four of playing diminished teams, right? Uh, Maxi feeling sick last week. No Embiid. They played Memphis. They played Brooklyn, who just by their nature is diminished. Um, where was was the defense tonight in Halliburton real or was it a function of him? He's got a he's got a hurt hamstring right now, right? So Justin, I'm gonna fire argument. Did you take away from this? Like, hey, I've seen some Quinones stuff on Halliburton. I'm sure Wiggins saw some time on him. Um, are you seeing the Warriors defense as legit of late? Uh, because of the competition, are you at a point, Justin, where it's like, hey, they're just getting wins right now, and that's what matters. But what's going on, especially tonight with mm-hmm. Halliburton? I want to see what your thoughts are. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both, right? Like you definitely have to take into consideration the level of opponent. Um like we said with the Sixers, both times they played the Sixers, somebody was out, right? Whether it's Embiid playing hurt, Maxie's out, or Maxie's playing by himself with no Embiid. Um, tonight, it definitely didn't look like the same Halliburton. Like he wasn't like firing on all cylinders. He had a few good moves, but like he just didn't have the same type of pop. Um, so even with that consider in consideration, like you have to say, okay, you still should shut them down, right? Like if if Halliburton isn't playing at his best and they still cook you, like that's a problem. So like they took care of business and that's, that's what they've been doing. They, so that's encouraging to see. That's Which why you could I, even say like, sorry to catch you up, but like that was not what they were doing earlier in the season, right? They weren't taking care of business. Part of being a decent team, even is beating shitty teams. Right. So I'm going to keep going. Oh yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, they've been in how many clutch games at this point? Like 30, 30 34, like, 34, <laughs> like, yes, right. So, clearly not all of those games are against amazing teams. So taking care of business is like one of the baby steps it takes for them to take the, like to improve as a team and, and get to where they need to be. And it's going to be a good test these next four games. Cause they're playing four good slash hot teams. Um, so like you got Utah twice, I think Phoenix and uh, the Clippers, if they, you know, can hold those offenses to below their standard, then that's, another really good sign, encouraging sign. So take it with a grain of salt, but like also acknowledge that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. I love that. Um, but I think it's important that kind of the elephant in the room here, right. Is the trade deadline, right. Where he's got a great win tonight. I'm checking to check it out. Uh, Chuck, I'm going to start with you. Cause 
you had some thoughts on the Corey Joseph thing to start. Uh, listen, you know me. I'm usually pissed off about something. I'm not too angry today. Um, maybe it's the ice. Maybe it's just, hey, Corey Joseph is gone and there's like a weight off my soul. But Chuck, uh, what were your reactions today, man? Did you realize pretty early on nothing was happening? And are you feeling okay about the squad? I guess different question, but reactions to the trade deadline first, man. Yeah, I was I was pretty surprised, especially considering the reports going around of all the interest in Wiggins. I guess they're really confident that not only this Kuminga breakout is real in terms of the consistent scoring, but that it's reignited Andrew Wiggins somehow because the two have been playing really well over the last 10, 11 games. Draymond. Um, I said JK. Yeah. I'm giving Draymond credit Draymond. before I give JK credit. Draymond being back. Well, you know, I mean, they know what they have in yeah. Draymond when he's on the floor, but they're seeing this next level from Kuminga and thinking, hey, maybe this can make other things start to fall into place. So I understand uh, from that point. The two things that are really crazy to me. So I go into this and I'm thinking, okay, they're definitely this just reeks like they're staying the course. Uh, so many other teams just seem to be pulling out and saying we're just going to wait for the off season. Uh, I mean, even the even the Chicago Bulls said that, which we'll get into the, that later. And that's their that's their motto, man. Yeah, no, uh, they just they love continuity, uh, but. Yeah, Corey Joseph, like, going out, that seemed expected. With the way Lester's playing, you'd think, okay, clear the roster spot, uh, sign Lester to a new contract, get back to 14. Uh, and then it comes out, it's like, oh, hey, they actually got a real second-round pick for Corey Joseph, so great. <laughs> and then shout-out to uh, Anthony Slater for always digging on the info. It turns out that the Warriors also paid $6 million along with Corey Joseph. Just to get him off and just to get a pick that's going to be like in the 50s I'm, I'm going to say, if you're paying somebody more than my salary to get rid of me, I'm going to feel – I'm feeling tough yeah. about myself. <laughs> I'm not feeling good. Bro, and then like he'll, 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 he'll never forget this trip to Indiana, man. This was a tough one for him. Shout out Corey Joseph, man. This was a tough, tough 24 hours in Indiana. Yeah, so Warriors are like paying $3.5 just to get this guy off the team. Um, and – that just really shows me it's just like, hey, like we think so little of this like guy on our roster that we're just gonna like boot him off basically for tax savings. And then we're also gonna pay the Pacers like two thirds of those savings um just to get it done. Like look, I mean, we don't have to watch Corey Joseph play anymore, and I'm happy about that. But it also just is such a like nasty look for the front office, especially considering that the third part of that trade was the fake Charlotte Hornets second round pick that the Warriors got for trading Brad Wanamaker when they did this exact thing three years ago. So it's just like such a full circle. Like, can we stop with the shitty veteran backup point guards on minimum deals or like can at least try to you know, get a good one? For you once? know what I keep imagining? I think Steve Kerr right now, have you guys seen that like that like meme going around of that British cop like screaming? He's on his knees, just screaming, like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's how I imagine Steve Kerr's reaction when he finds out that Corey Joseph, Corey Joseph's off the squad, man. And he does it every year, man. Chris Giosa's gone. Wanamaker's gone. Jerome, I'm not, no, no ripping on Ty Jerome. Ty Jerome was, was legit. Was I, legit, I, I but... take back Ty Jerome. That, yeah. That nice. So, overall, Chuck, you sound exuberant, man, that are, that, uh, you know, Steve Kerr's best friends out of here. I mean, I don't know about exuberant, um, but the one – the one thing that I thought was really interesting that came through was the uh, the late uh, trade chatter with Chicago. And the rumor floating around there is that the Warriors were trying to offer up Moses Moody, Trace Jackson Davis, a 2026 first, possibly a couple of seconds, all to get Alex Caruso. And the Chicago Bulls said, no, we are going to try to make the play in. Um <laughs> I, I want to hear your guys' thoughts on that because we discussed it a little bit before the show. But, like, let's say that trade rumor was what was offered. Uh, reportedly, Chicago comes back, says we want Kuminga. Warriors say no. It's over. Um, what What do you guys think about that? Like, Justin, I want to hear from you. Like, if that if that deal had gone down, what would you think? Um, I think it would be a win-win for both, right? Because – Moses isn't playing. 
Trace isn't playing. I would like for Moses to get an opportunity to play. Um, same thing with Trace. And then, I mean, Caruso would be amazing for the Warriors, right? Like, point of attack defender. We already know all the things that he can do. Shoot the ball. He can kind of handle as well. Um, but for Chicago to turn that down, it's just kind of funny. It's like, that's a pretty good package. Like, a 2026 first plus two good young players for Caruso, who's obviously a good player, but he's a role player. Um that's just a great package. I don't know why Chicago turned that down. That is like the the reported thing was like they wanted an OGS deal. Like it's not exact same thing, but you're getting a good year, two young good good dudes. You're getting that pick you said, Justin. Uh, if that's true, which again Chicago has this track record now of just making really awesome decisions, I buy it. <laughs> Truly astounding shit. Yeah. Truly. Very much so. Like that's a great package. I think that's a slight overpay to be honest for for Caruso. Um, so for them to turn that down is like you just said, astounding, astounding. Shit. I think it's I think it's even funnier that there was there's a report like just based on that that uh, they wanted Kuminga instead of Moody or somebody. Else. They wanted Kuminga in the deal, and I just couldn't help but picture how fast the Warriors front office started laughing and was like, "Yo, no, this is this is done. Like, sh- shut the shut the door on this." But um, no, that's a look, man. Yeah, Justin, you kind of hit him, man. Caruso, we've we've wanted him for a while. Like, he's he does the right things. Obviously, Steve Kerr, a uh, big fan of, of a guy like Caruso, and I think he'd fit in great. But um, for the trade deadline and at the whole, man, like, I feel like we were all at least us three. We were, we were kind of we kind of knew like nothing really was gonna happen, um, barring you know something crazy going down. But you know, the front the front office really has not ever been that active at the trade deadline. Like I, the biggest one I can remember is the the D'Lo and Wiggins um switch back in uh was it 19 or 20. So um until we've seen them actually do some like so, a, a major move, I, I wasn't really going into it expecting anything. And um honestly as as the as 12 o'clock uh, Pacific kind of started approaching more um there was that there was rumors about Wiggins to Milwaukee for Portis and you know I really didn't want that one done just you know given that uh, you know what uh, Wiggins as he's kind of worked his way back um brings to the table com- compared to a guy like Bobby Portis and I think it would be like Connaughton or somebody else like that just didn't feel like the right move so I'm happy they didn't make a move just to make a move um I think uh one of you guys said I think their their best assets available were were Chris Paul Moody, who hasn't really played, maybe a guy like Trace, um, a couple of those picks. So in my my hopes of going into it, where they would move off of the, some of that salary, get uh, you know role player or two back. But um, hey, like it's it, they didn't um, whatever moves that they could have made today, um, they can make in in July. So uh, I'm not too bent out of shape. I do think that this team um, is starting to come together. So I, I am happy that there wasn't much of a shakeup. Um, sending out Wiggins, I think, might have been um going a little too all in for for not some the packages wasn't worth it so um overall i'm not as disappointed as i thought i'd be so kind of same as you matt um i, I was going into it no, i'm not even, man I, i'm not i don't feel disappointed today i I, yeah. I am stoked they didn't do an actively stupid thing that's yeah, the thing that exactly. again, sometimes that's, sometimes that's the for, best thing to that do, didn't happen man sometimes i think this is kind of like a time to just kind of pivot to the next pivot to this next idea right do the warriors have enough to make a run because i'm gonna start i'm i'm usually again i I am eeyore i'm well aware okay i i like this roster still i think the biggest concerns for me are are the steve kerr's chris paul addiction and like draymond wearing down but that's like it for me um of course like health they need to be healthy all year wiggins has to continue the way he's been playing but he can't if he goes back to wiggins of uh 2023 it's it's uh it's curtains we can say goodnight and it's uh it's a play and loss at best but I think this roster, I'm not going to say stacked because stacked rosters aren't a left in the West, you know, with 30 games to go, but they have a lot of good pieces and the five guys that kind of discovered, I'm not even, again, death lineup pops in my head, right? This is not a death lineup. I can't, we've, we've seen Iguodala and Katie out there with these guys, so I can't say it, but um, I think this group is solid. And I think if they can figure out how to allocate Chris Paul's minutes properly when the time comes, uh, and if Gary, again, GP getting back healthy is also huge. I don't know whose minutes he's taken, but um, they're going to need him to play off. So if they get there, just shut anybody's water off. They don't have that right now, as well as Wiggins has been playing. And if Wiggins gets back to that, you just have uh, all the more optionality. So again, to be clear, I think this roster is good. I think they can go on a run if they stay healthy. Um, Charlie, I'm going to start with you, man. What do you what do you think, man? Are you confident this group can go on a run? Because Steve Curry has been on his whole, like, hey, He's going to say – he said something similar in the last few days. Chris Paul and, and Gary Payton are, like, the trade deadline acquisitions. We can't get guys better than that. That's not exactly how we look at things, but where are you at? 
Yeah, so I think when you're looking at a team that's had so much go wrong to start this year, when you have this run building up, uh, for me, it's if you can make a run is contingent on a lot of things happening in a row. And the fortunate things that some of those have already happened, like Draymond returning to the lineup, not getting in any additional shenanigans, huge. Jonathan Kaminga uh, playing the way he's played over the last month has been extremely important for this team. Now you're getting Moses Moody back, getting him in the rotation, seeing what's there. Now you got to check a few more boxes with how do you integrate Gary Payton? How do you integrate Chris Paul? And then when you finally have them like sorted in this rotation, can you keep yourself healthy until the end of the season? Um, Because the margin for error is so thin. Like if one of those guys comes back, they don't quite figure it out. They start to stumble a little bit. It's going to be ugly. Um, And if they have any additional injuries that pop up, it could get really ugly. So I love the way this team has been playing the last few games, but, you know, to make these, you know, Matt, like you said, quote unquote, trade additions when you're getting uh, GP2 and Chris Paul back, uh, it has to go smoothly. Because if you keep running into the same questions you go, you got earlier in the season, you keep dropping games, sitting below 500. There's just too much talent in the West. That's uh, just going to, they're going to keep chugging along. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Justin, where you at? Yeah, I kind of, I kind of agree, but I think, like, since this roster was put together, I always saw this roster ceiling being very high. But it was one of those things where like everything has to go right, right? Like, like you just listed out, Draymond has to stay healthy and available. Wiggins has to be very good, Wiggins, and not the other Wiggins. Um, Kaminga was going to have to kind of take that Jordan Poole leap, and uh, it seems like he's taken one that's probably even higher than Jordan's. Um, and Steph is going to be Steph and Clay is going to have to get back to at least what he was during the, that stretch last year before he kind of like burned out and ran out of, ran out of gas. Um, if you have that, that's just an extremely potent five that can at least compete with any other team's five. And then from there, it's like, okay, they have a lot of depth, but how do you put the combinations together? Um, Looney getting sent to the bench kind of makes things a little bit weird if you bring Chris Paul back, because I'm sure Looney is like, the lowest on the preferred big list for Chris Paul to play with. <laughs> so how do you figure those out? How do you figure out Gary and Moody and Lester and all these other guys, if they can find like the, the right combination of guys and stick to it for an extended stretch, then I think they can definitely go on a run. Um, maybe beyond the play in, like who knows if they can get to six, but uh, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. I like that you brought up uh, just, Things breaking right. I think it's gonna be so important for this team, and that's also. I hate to say it. I'm nervous to say it, but I'm still. This is again. Fuck myself. I'm sorry. I'm waiting for the Steph Curry. You know, random. I fell on my ass injury that hasn't happened yet. And if I'm the Warriors, that's the one thing I'm probably okay with Chris Paul being around for still. Uh, is again, Steph's played ninety percent of the game this year, right? Um, I also want to point out. Listen, you you gotta hope and pray that once Chris Paul is back. If Trace Jackson Davis can't get in the rotation as a lob threat with that guy, I'm sorry. Again, I'm not going to say I'm sorry, man. I'm not that sorry about it. Steve Kerr needs to figure his shit out, man. That stuff's – get this kid in the game. Uh, Justin, I think you kind of pointed this out before, too. You're, you're a little bit on Dario as a popping threat as opposed to the roller. Um, that's a combination. Those two that's, – that's one of the few two big combinations that works because of Chris Paul in a lot of ways. So – you really, really got to see – it's tough for Loon, but he's got to be third or fourth big in this roster when Chris Paul, Chris Paul gets back because they're going to – they can get a lot of decent offense at least in that second unit with, uh, you know, Dario stretching and popping and, and uh, TJD rolling. So I'm hoping Chris Paul makes that work. I'm hoping Steve Kerr makes the adjustments there in no more than 15 to 20 minutes a game, to be clear. Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of touched on what the X factor is for if they can. I think it's Steve Kerr. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about Steve. That's tough. We've talked about Steve Kerr all year, man. Like, they're, you know, questionable, um, you know, rotation decisions, uh, substitution patterns, whatever it is. But, um, you know, earlier in the year, I, I, I've I, gotten to the point where, you know, I'm, I'm willing to kind of cut him some slack in terms of, you know, new, some new guys on the roster. You, young guys are, uh, you know, stepping up, playing well. Um, Draymond this time Wiggins hasn't played well so there's a lot of stuff that went into some of those combinations and I'm willing to give him that but you know now that you found a good stretch um, you found your five that that 
you know, like you said, Matt, it looks like uh, a very dangerous five in, in, in that Steph, Clay, Wiggins, uh, J.K., Draymond lineup, defensively, offensively. Um, J.K. is taking the leap. So, yeah, if, 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 if Steve Kerr can can handle playing a lot of guys because, you know, they, they're still like, you know, eight, nine people deep right now. And, you know, you're missing, you know, uh, CP, GP, uh, Moses still kind of working his way back into the rotation. And, you know, guys like Lester and Guy Santos have, have stepped in. And um, so you're still going to be whatever, 11, 12 deep or 10, whatever, 11, let's call it 11 deep. I We haven't seen Steve Kerr be able to coach well with so many options this year. Um, at least, you know, from, from the eye test. So my biggest X factor on them going on a run is finding that right combination, finding that sweet spot. And that is on, that is on Steve Kerr. Um, can they do it? Absolutely. I don't think anything that, like you said, uh, you know, barring any health concerns, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Matt. I'm, I'm never really the one to kind of, you know, uh, always more optimistic, but I'm with you. That Steph, that Steph injury, it's just, I don't want to think about it. I hope it doesn't happen. I hope he plays 78 games or whatever, how much ever it takes. But, um, you know, you're one Steph injury away. So to to maximize on how well he's been playing, how great he looks, how healthy he is, um, it, it's going to be on Steve Kerr to press those buttons, find those right combinations, and and use Chris Paul in that 15 to 20 as, as a backup point guard, which is what he is um, on this. Do you guys team. feel like – do you guys feel like Steve's willingness – of late to close without guys like Clay, for example, is a good omen going forward. Just that because we we know Steve Kerr's tendencies, right? We know he likes his guys. We know he takes a long time to go away from his guys, um, and in a lot of ways, we know that's a strength, right? He gives his guys a lot of leeway, and that uh, that allows guys to find their way. We've also seen it be a detriment. Uh, does this bode well to all y'all, Chuck? I'll start with you, man. But does it bode well that he's been willing to bench Clay in some of these games for whomever? that maybe he's not going to be so addicted to Chris Paul in that closing group? I think so, because, you know, there's really only one player that under no circumstance is not going in the closing line of Steph. So I think if you establish the mentality of, like, hey, we know you know Steph's going to be there. We got a lot of things to work in around him. And we got a lot of guys who are going to be playing on a given night. So – Sometimes there's going to, you know, there's always going to be an odd man out. It's going to be Kaminga. It's going to be Wiggins. It might even be Draymond. Uh, Chris Paul, Clay Thompson, like all these guys got to wonder where they fit in. And they got to know that, you know, the pressure's on to be part of that closing group every night because, you know, that's kind of the, uh, that's kind of the tough thing about this roster is that there is no, clear number two, like, extremely important star player, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And so – that Don't disrespect E. Santos, my guy. That's true. No, I, I respect our uh, Giga Chad rebounder uh, cutter man Puka Nakua, doppelganger, man. Dude is Puka Nakua, Brazilian Puka. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, it really is the same book. Uh, but – you know, that's the that's the kind of exciting thing is you see it like breed this competition out of guys and they're thinking, hey, like somebody's gonna have to step up into the void here. And you know, that's hopefully gonna motivate Chris Paul and Clay and Draymond uh, and and then the young guys as well, seeing if they can break into that closing lineup. Justin, what do you think, man? Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good omen. Um typically We've seen Steve, I guess, get his head on straight the, the the later the season goes anyway, because he realized like, yo, it's winning time. I can't balance egos. I can't think about these other things. I just have to play my best guys. And if Chris Paul can sit there and and be dangled pretty much, not, not in trades, but just like, I'm, I'm sure he felt like there was some uncertainty with his future with the team. I'm sure that kind of maybe zapped his ego a little bit and he knows like he's getting close to the end of his career. So I don't think he will make a huge deal out of it. And I don't think he's even that type of guy in the first place. So I don't think Steve would have an issue with it. And even earlier in the season when they had like their full team, there was a few games where Chris didn't close. So I don't think it's a, I don't think a big issue. Yeah. Sam, Sam, I don't think, uh, 
I just I, I don't think it's going to be. But like we've heard Steve Kerr say like three different things. Like first it was like I trust the vets. And, you know, then it was, you know, I trust five best guys. And then you weren't playing the five best guys. And then now we're starting to hear it again. So I, I do think that, you know, when I think just the urgency is going to spark it. And you know, look, man, Steve Kerr's done this for, for years. And uh, contrary to to some people's opinion on on Twitter and everything, Steve Kerr is, is not a charlatan and like he's a smart basketball mind. So, um, you know, this is going to this is going to work um, like he's going to put this team in, in the best possible way. So I, I have I, I, but the faith in Steve Kerr has never been the issue. It's more so just. Can we see that, you know, just breaking up the, uh, the we got rid of Corey Joseph, like you said, his love for Corey. Let's hope he can do the same for for Chris Paul. So. Uh, but no, overall, no. I think I think this team is poised though. They're they're poised to make the, the lead. I don't know, man. I've lost faith in Steve Kerr about fourteen times in the last. Not saying trust me. Exactly, <laughs> but uh, and if I'm also I'm Steve Kerr is upset with with uh, Mike Dunley right now. I can guarantee you, he's not. He did not want to see Corey Joseph go. That was not a Steve Kerr decision. But who knows? Who knows? Um, on the yeah, you know, okay, Justin, we can talk about Clay for a bit. Clay getting benched. You have been. I'm not going to say like some clay. You're not a clay stand, man. You're pretty reasonable with almost everything you say, man. I love, I love following you. We brought up some of the things you said on a, about clay on our last pod, man. Can you walk us through some of the frustrations with your clay interactions with uh, some of dub nation, man, because it's a, uh, I feel like people find you like they're like, they, they have a thought about clay Thompson. They will like tweet at you. They look for you. Um, it's, it's tough, man. So it's, it's a long, it seems like a large part of your day. To, to get back to people man so uh walk us through your clay stuff right now man i've been big on like a clay transition to a joey ingles type player recently that's kind of been my thing i think he could be like a, a playmaking big wing more than he has been in the past but uh first of all tell us about the experience of like people just non-stop man they're coming at you so hard a and b give give the people your your uh your clay defense what you think clay can still give at the warriors all right. So, I mean, pretty much the experiences which you described, right? People tweeted me all the time. But to be anything having to do with the team or with Clay, like people are just going to tweet at me with their agendas and trolling and stuff like that. I mean, the block button has been very active within the last few months. Like, I'm, I'm averaging like five blocks a day. At Justin, Justin yeah. Kawakami, man. When, when be status. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> For sure. I mean, it's like my 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 tolerance has gotten even shorter than TK's. So um anything <laughs> even resembling a block block. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um yeah, that's been the experience, you know. Like I try to, like you said, be as objective as possible, right? And and just provide stats and stuff like that. And people just will will twist it and you know, do that type of thing. You know how Twitter goes. But as far as Clay as a player, um I like what you said as far as like a Joe Ingles type. Like I think he's somewhere like he's definitely above role player, right? But he's not quite a star anymore, right? Like he can have star moments, but I think for the most part on average, like he's someone who obviously provides an, a, a ridiculous amount of gravity and spacing, right? He's he's pulling guys with him wherever he goes on the court. Only and one guy though, Justin, never two though, right? Yeah, never two, apparently. Like there's multiple guys <laughs> on Twitter who thinks he only he only brings one guy with him, but um, yeah, like we can even see like there's a lot of plays where J.K. is getting one on ones going downhill with a guy who's like on his side instead of in front of him because either Steph or Clay has ran through and pulled a guy away from the help side and stuff like that. Like that happens a lot. Um, I think he's a guy who you can run not necessarily your offense through in a second unit, but you can use him in a way that allows your offense to run a lot more smoothly. And I think we saw tonight how it looks without him right when there's no stuff on the court hitting every single shot it's they struggle in the half court to generate offense but when clay's out there the fact that he can pull multiple guys helps them you know just get easier looks so i do think he needs to hit his open shots right like that's first and foremost if he hits his open shots i think he looks a lot closer to a star level player than what he's looked like this season um he's hitting a ton of his contested ones he's just not hitting the open ones at a at a clip that he needs to right when he did he led the league in threes last year um so i think he's a scalable defender he's not a lockdown guy anymore but he can scale up and down a little bit switch on some guys guard bigger wings really well he doesn't really rebound get steals or get blocks so his defensive metrics are not going to look good especially like the advanced ones so um yeah i just think people like 
the way Clay is assessed, it's like, is he making shots or not? If he's not making shots, a lot of people don't see the other viable things that he does. So it's like, oh, he's washed. He's not hitting 10 threes in a game anymore. Like he he just needs to hang him up, go to the bench or whatever. I don't think that's quite where he's at, right? Like he's not where he used to be, obviously, but I think he's still a high-end starter. And I think the best version of Clay can give you star moments still. And, you know, his baseline value is just something that they absolutely need to be the best version of themselves, regardless of if he's giving you star value or not. I like how you said that the this he's capable of star moments, and I think that's that's the perfect way to put like where Clay Thompson is at in his career. Like we've seen it, like like you said last year, the stretch. I think he was averaging like twenty five or something for two or three months, and obviously the the gas ran out. So um, that 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 was that was a fire way to put it. But I I just wanted to know like when you see him kind of struggling with the 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 shot selection or the the mentality of it. I know the the other night um, after. Uh, Atlanta or Brooklyn, whoever it was, but um, when he got benched, um, you know, you could see like he, it was genuinely like a very sobering moment to hear like a guy who's obviously, you know, been at the top of the NBA and one of the best players to, to start embracing that. How much, I guess, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, you're preaching to, to Clay, but like, what's that, what's that thought process in in your eyes? Like how, how do you think Clay gets over that hump to embrace it? Has he started to, was, was that press conference or whatever it was, was that kind of, the beginning of Clay starting to embrace, hey, like I'm not that guy anymore. Um, I you know I have to pick and choose my moments when, like you said, when when the star moments are there, like obviously he's going to be out there. But when when they're not, like to to embrace that more so. Not I don't know, Joe Ingles, like I, I know Matt, you want to say, it, but like that kind of level of like impact on the team because you like you said the the gravity's still there and like when he's hitting the shots, it it's 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 awesome. So like, it, it looks like a clay of old. So um, just all, from your eyes, what are you seeing in, in that sense from, from clay himself? Yeah. I mean, I think if, even if you look at the, like the whole season, like the season as a whole, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't look like he's chasing star clay. I think he just wants to just be a really good player still. Right. And there's just like nights where he doesn't have it. And I think mentally everyone telling him he's not as good anymore or, the contract situation, no matter like what's going on behind the scenes with that, who knows? I think all that's mentally kind of weighing on him and it's making him overthink a little bit. And you know how with, with players like clay, who's a rhythm player his his play style is high variance, but he just made a hall of fame career out of it being not very high variance for him, which is crazy and stuff as well. So like when he gets to a certain level in his career where he can't sustain or he can't be as consistent as he used to be, I'm sure that mentally weighs on him as well. And when a player like that gets into a slump, it kind of grows, right? We saw it with Steph in 2022, where there was a multitude of things going on with him, with the hand injury and the record coming up and all these different narratives about him and the team. And, you know, that material materialized into him having the worst shooting season of his career. And then he found it back in the playoffs. So I think something similar is happening with Clay, because like I said, he's just, he's missing a ton of the open ones, like set his feet, take a dribble, shoot it wide open and just missing those right so i think once he gets over that he'll be able to play a little bit more consistent and i think overall like to answer your question i don't think he's like having an issue uh accepting that he's no longer like a superstar or, or, an, or an all-star anymore i think it's more so him coming to reality like okay there if i'm not doing my best like i'm not gonna play like that's tough to to handle Right. So just him playing more consistent, I think, will will have him, you know, having a little bit more level head. But I don't think it's necessarily going to be an issue. And, and Steve even said, like, he's embracing this this moment that's this change in his career where he's kind of realizing he's not one of the, you know, guaranteed guys every single night anymore. Yeah, totally. Godspeed, Clay. Figure it out. We got you, brother. I think he's going to figure it out, man. I feel good about I think Justin, you hit it really well, man. A lot of this is just he's not going to forget how to shoot basketball. And some of these wide open looks are just like for anything you do in life, when you get in your head about something and you're, you start pressing, things get harder. I'm not a professional athlete. I never claim to be. I'm not close to that. But like we know what that's like in some realm of our lives, like not be doing as well we th- as we think we can, right? And to seek that and to fail at it. So uh, I do think – Clay, I think Clay's gonna be fine. I'm not. I'm not worried about Clay being like a, a a good NBA player. Yeah, and I think just changing some of his process will help create more consistency. I think we saw that in Brooklyn, where you know he's going into the mid range a little bit more. He's getting to the basket a little bit more. 
he's not the best finisher at the rim, but I think if he just gets inside the three-point line, he'll have a lot more opportunities to just get easier shots. And then that'll allow for his three to come along. And then just focusing on like defending, rebounding, moving the ball, like those things outside of shooting, I think can help him, you know, just get into the game a little bit more and just get his rhythm earlier. Or even just letting him find guys diving to the rim, man. If he's, if he's coming off a screen, we watched, you know, all last year, early this year, Looney, I'm, I'm starting to call Looney the assist assassin, man, because he's just like, he he gets dimes, man. He He's just, it's, we know the thousand pump fake, uh, thousand pump fake movie has, it's it's tough, but with Clay and Trace, you see a lot more of like, oh, okay, Clay has a few assists because this guy who's diving to the rim and Clay takes two, he's actually finishing the basket, right? And so, I, I don't know, there's a lot of Clay still has to offer. I, I keep saying Ingles, I, I like Ingles a lot as a player, I always have, man, the guy's just like this... He's like my swaggy, swaggy chunky. I call him, man. He's the sexy, you know, goofy Australian guy who has no business doing what he's doing out there. But he passes the hell out of the ball. He shoots the hell out of the ball. He's not this this uh, crazy athlete. And obviously, every player is different. But I think Clay could really look a lot into that role. And uh, again, operate off the elbows, operate off three point line. I think he could do a lot of good. Chuck, you got anything you want to add, my guy? No, I think you guys hit it well. Like just realigning what Clay needs to focus on is really important. And that's also a huge part of, you know, what does this team do if the Kaminga breakout is, like, looking sustainable and he's looking like the guy who's going to be the second pressure point of the offense, then, you know, Clay has to think about how he can realign things. Is he still going to be running the same off ball but looking to, you know, hit those passes to cutters, duck-ins, like get it back out to Kaminga while the defense is unsettled to let him drive? Uh, I think – and yeah, focusing on defense and rebounding is really important for a guy of his size with the kind of personnel they have. And it's it's going to be interesting to see how Clay adjusts things going forward. But I do I do think there's still a great player in there. Totally, totally. Well, well said, guys. Uh, before we get out of here, man, uh, Justin, you kind of hit on it uh, a little earlier. Um, big stretch coming up for the Warriors. Obviously, they're sitting here now at twenty four and twenty five, uh, one game under five hundred almost, you know, getting back over the hump. Um, but uh, they got Phoenix, uh, Utah, the Clippers, and then Utah before um, the All-Star break. And then they kick off the second half of the season, if you want to call it, um, against the Lakers. So we'll look at the first, these next four going into the break. But just how important is this stretch? Because, you know, I don't want to I don't want to make it seem like, you know, this, this is the season because it's not, you know, obviously it's not over if they don't do well. But – having a good stretch to go into this all-star break and, you know, if you're at 500, maybe a game above 500, whatever that looks like. Um, just how important would that be for the Warriors just to to cap off this kind of momentum swing that they've had in the last 10 to 12 and going into all-star break with some serious momentum and getting ready for a, getting ready for a, we believe type stretch run to, to, like you said, get into the, that sixth seed, seventh, eighth, whatever it is, but kind of lock themselves back into that playoff uh, playoff contention. And yeah, what man. would your prediction be for the for the next the, the next four? Give us like give us a little uh a schedule pre- or yeah, it's what a prediction for the uh for the record. Record prediction. Uh, record prediction. I uh I might have retired myself from the prediction game because they never nope. do. Not here. Just All right, so call it over four. Just call it over four, but it's gonna be the other way around. I'm gonna predict more wins than losses. That's what I'm gonna say. So at least at least three. All right. Uh, at least three out of um out of four. I guess you can't have more wins and losses through two and two, but yeah, I mean, this is a huge stretch, right? Like this is, these are like four games against decent teams, like better competition than you've seen in the last few games, at least like Phoenix. I'm not sure if Booker's going to play. He didn't play tonight. I don't know if he's hurt or not, but I mean, Phoenix has been playing well. Um, Seems like they're, they're finding something, right? They're clicking. So if you can put together a good defensive showing against them, then you can pretty much, you know, hang your hat like okay we can guard really against good teams um the jazz i mean the clippers as well like the clippers have been what the best team in the league since you know like after that 0-6 stretch when they first got hardened like since they took off they've they've stayed off right so they've played the clippers well but if you can if you can play these two teams well then that shows you something right at least we can compete with these guys we may be able to put together a run and you know, the two games against the Jazz is just going to be one in Utah and then one in the back-to-back. So those are just going to be two tough games regardless. So huge stretch. If they can come out of this with three wins, 
then it's okay. It's like, okay, we might be cooking with something. Like, we really might be cooking. Like, I know you said, like, it's not – it doesn't make or break the season, but I think it can make the season. Like, I don't yeah. know if it will break it, but it can definitely make it, I think. Yeah. It'll put you back over 500 against some good competition going into the all-star break, feeling good. You get another extended break of getting your bodies right and gearing up for the second half of the season. And I think that would be the nice momentum push they need to, you know, set them up for an extended run. Make the season. Chuckster, how you feeling? What's uh, what's your take? I feel good about it. Um, I mean, these are some winnable games. You know, both Phoenix and L.A. playing some good basketball, as you said, Justin. But, you know, the Jazz are beatable. We know that, and they need to beat the Jazz uh, to catch up ground on the play-in right now. Um, I think, you know, it's safe to say that they'll keep the momentum at least and give two and two, but I think they can pull off three and one. You know, you take care of business against Utah. You pull off one of the games against these Western contenders, and now the momentum just keeps rolling. Matt? Love that, man. Oh, man, you know what? I actually feel good. Uh, I don't know what's happening, guys. I'm I'm feeling happy and good about things. There's no reason to. But uh, Hojo's gone. What'd you say? Hojo's gone. That's why you're fake. Yeah, <laughs> that might be, that might be it. <laughs> uh, the, the devil out of my soul is good. Uh, so I don't. I'm I'm not gonna get ahead of myself. I'm sorry. I'm gonna say two and two. <laughs> That's the best I can do, man. Uh, listen, I think Justin, you kind of hit the scheduling issues, right? Second night of back to back for one of those games. Uh, both in the road for the Jazz. If they steal both those, they're they're in good shape, though, man. That's that's a team right around them in the in the standings right now. That's huge. Um, I do think, I think they had one versus the Clippers or the Suns. I'd probably pick the Suns as a win more so than the Clippers, because like we just all acknowledge that that team is just looking really damn good right now. Um, so I'm gonna say two and two. They get the Suns and they get the Jazz once. I don't know which game, probably the one before the back 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 to back, but um. Yeah, I, th- I think this next stretch, Justin, you kind of said it best, man. I love the way he's, it might make their season. They probably won't break it. But if they can get ahead before the All-Star break and be in a good position and you're, you're in, in good vibe zones, right? You're in good vibe zones leaving the All-Star break. You're feeling rested. Um, if you combine Steph Curry and good vibes, man, we tend to see some nice things happen. Um, let's see what Steve Kerr has to say about it. But, you know, I'm giving Steve Kerr a lot of grief today. It's, it's mostly jokes. Uh, but, no, I'm saying two and two. Uh, because I said that, I'm sure they'll go with one and three, and I apologize. I didn't watch the game tonight, best one of the season, so that's what happens. But uh, I'm going two and two. Gotham, just get your piece out. We know what you're saying, but let it rip, dude. Hey, man, uh, I just got to – it was a good uh, – I use I his gif a lot, man. I know you're a big gif guy. Um, big gif guy. Game uh, game three, 2016 against the Blazers. What Steph Curry say? I'm back. 4-0, baby. 4-0. I'm back on the pod this <laughs> time, man. This team is is – Making me believe a little bit. Um, these are winnable games. Uh, look, I think the hardest ones there are going to actually be those two Jazz games on the road. Utah is nasty at home. Uh, marketing is a certified stud. Um, that also team- worth noting, Utah got worse. Utah got worse in the deadline. So just just worth pointing that out. Yeah, fair, fair. But, you know, road team in that, you know, Salt Lake City crowd, I feel like those two games are going to be tough just given the standings and everything like that. Like you said, a back-to-back. But – I feel pretty good about those two home games. I think the Suns, we've had a couple that we've let slip away. Um, one was obviously the Draymond, uh, you know, bitch slap at Nurk. And then I think the first one was the first game of the season. So, and the Clippers too. Um, I was at the, uh, I was at the game that they blew that 18 point lead and um, kind of started. It felt like the the choke jobs this year. So um, no, I feel like they match up pretty well with these two. It's, it's going to be um, two home games um, with a day in between or, or some rest like before them. So um, no, man, 4-0. I think that, look, that's just, that's a pipe dream. But hey, one game at a time, going to the All-Star break, I think they can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel in terms of they've done the hard work to to get back to, you know, one game under 500. And this really is that home stretch. You have two home games in there. You got two in Utah, obviously. So um, no, Steph's playing well. Everybody's starting to come together. Uh, JK's taking the leap, man. Um, Clay's going to be back. Uh, hopefully he starts to find a stroke going into, going into the break. But um, I, I, this is the first time this season where I felt a prediction that could actually come true where I, where I called him undefeated. So four and oh, go to the all-star break a game. What would that be a game above 500? So two games above 500 or something like that. Whatever math works out. Uh, three games actually. <laughs> could be, could be five. Could be five. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's late, <laughs> but not as late as it is for Justin, man. So appreciate you hopping on, man. Um, absolute, absolute time today. Just 
chopping it up. Um, definitely got to do this again, man. But before we get out of here, um, as always, anything you got, uh, anything you got coming to the work, shout outs, um, stuff you got cooking, um, or, you know, plug the, uh, plug the clay, uh, the clay, uh, propaganda as well. We're not propaganda, <laughs> but the, the gospel, the gospel, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate you guys having me on, like, as far as my stuff, I mean, you guys can follow me on Twitter at the package JG, um, golden spaces pod. We just put out an episode. We're going to put out one tomorrow reviewing the game as well. Um, and as far as stuff to plug, I don't really got any, anything else to plug, right? Like, I mean, you can follow my co-host, Nat, Nat Fluential, if you're not already following her. She's been in the Bay and doing all this type of media stuff in person. Um, she's in Vegas right now. But, yeah, I'll be at Warriors Wizards in a few weeks doing some media stuff there. So that would be pretty cool to do. And, yeah, I appreciate you guys for having me on. Yes, What's going on, man? Yes, sir. Chester, oh, man, yeah. you guys got – oh, before we get out of here, too, uh, before – Super Bowl Sunday. Shout out, Bang Bang Niner Gang. Uh, speaking of that, just reminded me, all, a lot of friendly jabs uh, at each other as being her being an Eagles fan. Niner stands over here. So, uh, Justin, uh, Super Bowl prediction, man. Who you got? Who you got winning this uh, this, this this showdown in Vegas? I'm going to go with the Niners, man. I'm going to go with the Niners. Absolutely. <laughs> I got to stick with the home-adjacent team. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not <laughs> but like that's nah, pretty nice home team for you. Yeah. And I know I know it would it would burn that soul to see that. I can't oh, man. I, I can't wait for that. <laughs> like, I think either I think either outcome would burn her soul. Yeah, true. True. Yeah. She doesn't like the Chiefs either. But yeah, it's time for the Niners to to get it done. You know, I think it's been a long time coming. You guys have been like right on the on the cusp for a while. So it's like time to get over the hump. And it's you know it's pretty season. Like Let's go. Let's go, Niners. Oh, yeah. Go Niners. Love it. Playing to the crowd a little. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We love that, man. <laughs> hey, I'm a Commanders fan, so, like, I got to – Hey, I'm you guys got yeah, Adam Peters, man. That's that's our guy. Uh, he's he's going to do some good stuff there. So, hopefully hopefully, tide's turning for the, for the Commanders. Um, Chuck's or Matt, Super Bowl predictions, what do you guys got? Yeah, the Ravens. Uh, no, I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I predict I'm going to stress drink way too many pitchers on Sunday. It worked, <laughs> um, it worked last time. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I don't know. It's going to be close, but I, this might be the year for the Niners, man. I'm, I'm tricked into believing again. <laughs> Matthew. That's awesome, man. I'm going to take Chuck's approach and say that uh, how shit-faced I get will determine whether or not the team I want to win wins. So I'm going to drink a lot for you guys on Sunday and uh, say a Niners win. How's that? Let's go. Let's go. I'm going to be in Vegas, so I'll be I'll be at the uh, at the, at the, in the action. Not at the game. That's a little too pricey for my uh, for my pockets right now. But, um, no, nah, we'll be in Vegas uh, heading there tomorrow. So excited to, to watch the Niners finally bring a Lombardi home, man. 31-20. Brock Purdy, wow. MVP. All right. Mm, okay. Let's go. But uh, as always, guys, thank you for listening. Um, it was a super fun episode today. Um, stretch run coming. Um, as always, keep following us. Keep following me, Chuck, Matt, Justin. Um, until the next episode, guys. Peace.